Have your Bibles and then turn to Romans chapter 1. Started Romans last week um, and really just looked at the introduction. Paul's saying, hey, I Romans, I got something to tell you. So that's really what we looked at last week. Today it gets meaty. In fact, this is a quite heavy passage. Uh, I had uh, I mentioned before that I thought about just doing uh, verses 16 and 17, but uh, I'm the, uh, I don't know, I'm not a good enough preacher to take just a small little bit of scripture and unpack it. I, I want to look more at a bigger picture and say, okay, what does that mean for us? And so we're just going to tackle the rest of the chapter, and you're going to see some stuff in here that's pretty heavy, and it's going to be very much different than uh, what the world is saying about life, and so we're going to walk through that together, but I'm going to just back up and start at verse 8 and read down through 15, just kind of to set the context as kind of after Paul's introduction. Uh, he says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, talking about that relationship that Paul has with the Romans. He says, because of your faith, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world, they were known for their faith. That, that was their, they had a reputation for that. He says, for God is my witness, I'm telling you, that whom I, I serve God, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of the Son, that without ceasing, I mention you. I am always praying for you. Always in my prayers asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. Remember he's writing this from Corinth. He's got to go down to uh, Jerusalem first and then he wants to sail to Rome and then go on to Spain at some point in time. He's like, I want to get to you. It hasn't worked out so far. For I long to see you. Here's why. That I may impart to you some spiritual gift to, to, to strengthen you. I want to give you something from the Holy Spirit that's going to strengthen you, and then that is that we may by we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Let's do this together. He says, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to the barbarians. Greeks would have been considered kind of the smart people there in the, the, the area that spoke Greek. Barbarians would be anywhere outside of that. It's another term for Pittsburgh Steelers fans, kind of the, the barbarians there. Um, both, to, both to the wise and to the foolish. He's like, I'm under an obligation to tell everybody about one thing. I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. It's all about the gospel. What's, what, what, what's another word, two words that we use for the gospel? It's good news, okay? And if you think about how you and I have the gospel, I'm gonna assume that most of you are followers of Jesus Christ. You have heard the good news and responded to the gospel. As our world continues to change, very rapidly, quicker than probably any of us ever expected to where um, as, as followers of Jesus Christians, we were kind of the majority part of our culture in, in our, our particular country and in other places. It was that way in Europe at one point in time and now it's not and we kind of follow their path. It's rapidly changing. And I think that, that often right now as I just kind of watch the, what's happening, 
I see Christians struggling with uh, the options in front of them. I see many of them fighting. And they're like, okay, we got to maintain what we had. We got to maintain our power. We got to maintain our, our influence on our authority. And there might even be times that's appropriate. I also see the temptation often is to, to flee or to run the other way. And let's just kind of go be uh, our little holy huddles because we're in the minority now. Let, let's just, let's run. And I'm going to encourage you and I to wrestle with the idea of having faith and trusting the Lord, not fighting in the, in the way that we got to fight for our rights, not running away from it, but instead staying the course and having faith. That word faith is going to come up today several times in our passage. Well, well how do we do this? And, and I think the, the, a good summary of Faith is to speak the truth in love. Okay, over and over again, you're gonna hear me reference that as we go through the book of Romans because I think that summarizes, we have this gospel, we need to speak the truth in love. We've said this before, but if all you give people is the truth is you're bullying them. And if all you're giving people is love, you're enabling them. It's a both and, and I think that truth is the fight side. Flee might feel like it's just the, the love side where we're just gonna not confront you with the truth. It's the opposite. Well, we need to speak the truth in love, but how do we do that? Let me tell you two things. I think we need to follow God's word, let it speak with full authority, but we also need to listen to the Holy Spirit and how he's gonna guide us as we apply the truth in our own lives and in other people's lives. You know, what does the Bible have to say? So we're gonna lean into the text pretty hard today. It's gonna be uh, less Dan, more Bible. No amens, I don't need to hear that. But uh, I, I thank you, I, I, you don't listen well, okay. Um, I, I wanna walk you through this passage very carefully. And I want you to see Paul's argument in here. That's why I'm not gonna give you any real creative outline for it. My agenda is for you to understand what Paul's saying so that we can then apply it to our own lives, to our context, and to even our country and to the world beyond. And I just want you to see very clearly three attributes of God. And you're gonna, that, that really provides the outline in the text. And as you take notes, I'm just gonna give you two up front. You can just uh, let the Holy Spirit lead whatever notes you want to take and apply it to your life. But we're gonna look at the power of God. We're gonna look at the righteousness of God. And we're gonna look at the wrath of God. The power of God, the righteousness of God, and the wrath of God. And I, I wanna argue this. All three, I'm not gonna, I think Paul argues this. All three are a part of the gospel. All three of those are a part of the good news that, that we have through Jesus Christ, and you can't separate them. So let's for, look first at the power of God. So Paul, he kind of, he goes from the greeting to, hey, I got really have something to tell you. Let's start with this. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. We've got this gospel. I, I'm not gonna be quiet about it. I'm, not, I'm gonna talk about it. I want it to get out there. Why not be ashamed of it? Because it is the, what's the word there? It's the power of God. It's God putting his power into work for what reason? Salvation. It is salvation to everyone who believes, 
to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The story of the Bible we talked about in the first class today, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. I'm actually changing my, my language. I want to start using the word new creation instead of restoration. kind of says the same thing. But that story is that God is providing salvation for his people uh, after the fall, after the brokenness, after the rebellion against God. God's saying, I want to redeem you back into a relationship with me. That is done through the power of God. He's the one saying, I want to provide it for you, and he's the only one who can provide it. Notice it says, for everyone, who, to everyone who believes, it's open to everyone, and he says to the Jew first and also to the Greek, we're going to get, that is going to be unpacked in chapters two and three and into chapter four. He's going to make a distinction because what he's pointing out here is that uh, nothing else can save us, nothing uh, uh, no one of us can save ourselves or anyone around us. Religious people need it. Non-religious people need it. It doesn't matter, matter our ethnicity. Salvation is available to everyone. Think about this for a quick moment. If we don't focus on the power of God, if we don't recognize and submit to the power of God, it's uh, if it's not behind all that we do, that's what leads us to fight or flight. If you take our eyes off of God, then we just want to fight, and it takes, it's about our power, or we get really discouraged. If God's power isn't present, then we're just going to run from the culture. That's why the power of God is behind all of this. It's a part of the gospel. Let's keep moving on. Let's look at the righteousness of God. He moves in verse 17 to say, for in it, what's the it? What? The gospel, yeah. So the power of God is a part of the gospel. Now the righteousness of God is a part of the gospel. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. So the righteousness of God is the goodness of God, the holiness of God, the perfection of God. That is being revealed. It comes from faith. We have to believe it. But then it says for faith, it actually increases our faith. The more we believe it, the more we believe. And it just keeps a continual move forward because then he quotes the prophet Habakkuk and says, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. I kind of grew up in an environment where, at least this is the way I interpreted it as a kid, was it was all about getting saved more than it was becoming sanctified. Getting saved was that, that starting point where you gotta get saved and you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you pray a prayer, and it's almost like, okay, check, we're done. In fact, I, I think I've told you the story before. My, the, in the neighborhood, I remember we were all, all of us kids were playing in the orchard, chucking apples at each other. And I remember saying to this kid, like, hey, do you know if you die, where are you going to go? Are you going to go to heaven or hell? And he's like, I don't know. I said, I can tell you how to get to heaven. He's like, oh, tell me. I said, here, just repeat this after me. And I, I said the sinner's prayer. He repeated it. I said, good, you're going to heaven with me. Now let's go play. <laughs> you know, he could have gotten saved, but I, he still chucked apples at me. He still, like, that was just, that, that, and, and that's what we, we need to remember that faith is an ongoing thing. It's not just a one-time belief, but we live it out over and over again. 
Now again, just like we said, without the power of God, none of this, the gospel doesn't work. But without the righteousness of God, there's nothing to believe. In fact, the world doesn't believe that God is righteous. You see more and more and more just open attacks against who we believe our God to be. They're just it's completely, they rejected everything to do with God. They've rejected his righteousness. They've rejected his goodness. We're gonna see that in a moment in the text, but frankly, we see this everywhere. Let me just make you think about something for a minute. We cannot expect the world to believe in God's righteousness because they don't have faith. Like, without faith, they're not gonna have any understanding of who God is, let alone his righteousness. You either believe and live by faith, or you don't. That's why we say chirp or get off the twig. It's like we're in or we're not. So we've got the power of God, we've got the righteousness of God, but I, I wanna kinda end with, well, Paul ends this section by talking about the wrath of God. This is not easy to hear, but let me walk you through this. As we walk through this text, I want you to see we, we, the answer to the question, why is God's wrath being revealed? There's four reasons in this text, okay? But think of it this way. This is God's wrath being revealed is actually a holy and loving response to human wickedness. We call this justice. God is so righteous, so holy, that he has to give us his wrath. You can't separate these. So let me unpack this for you. I want you to see four reasons here. The, they won't be on the screen. I'll kind of walk, I'll, I'll tell you when they're coming along here. In fact, it says, for the wrath of God is being revealed from where? From heaven, okay. That's where everything is perfect and right. Against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of who? Men. Now, here's where you really do want to clarify. Men here means mankind, okay? Women, you are included in this too, okay? Ungodliness, unrighteousness. God says, I, I'm going to put my wrath against that. Who, by their unrighteousness, what do they do? They suppress the truth. That's reason number one, that God's wrath is being revealed, is they're rejecting the truth about God. You know, it's like suppressing the truth. Like, you know how there's just bad news that you don't want to think about, and you're just like, I'm just going to ignore that. Like, ah, that doesn't exist. You know, I, the bills pile up because you don't open them. Guess what? They're, they're still there. They're not going away. You're just like kind of ignoring them. The wrath of God. But then it, it, it goes on here. For what can be known about God is plain to them. Duh. Tease my son Joshua for a minute, okay? Joshua is our, our kid 
that uh, we like to have the most fun with, meaning he gets teased the most in the house. Just flat I think he kind of embraces that role. And we have a phrase, hey, Josh, try to keep up. Okay, that's ongoing. That's what, and, and we have to, like, uh, what we thought would be obvious to him isn't always obvious. It's like, you gotta, well, this should be obvious that what is known about God should be plain to them because, why? God has shown it to them. Well, what is, what's he talking about? For his, God's, invisible attributes, who God is, we can't see them, namely, two attributes, his eternal power, and his divine nature, they've been clearly perceived ever since when? Creation. From all the way back then, God's eternal power and divine nature should be obvious to everybody. They've been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so they are without excuse. We call this special revelation. Okay, it should be obvious to Every human being, you just look outside at creation and you know there's a God with power. If you don't see that, something's messed up in your head. If the world doesn't see that, something is messed up. What? They've suppressed the truth. They've ignored the, the just plain facts that you and I can't create all of this. In fact, it's kind of fun to watch human beings try to recreate what God has created. And we don't always do so well with it. In fact, it leads to bombs blowing people up. Oppenheimer. It goes to us misusing what, what God has given us. For although, now watch this. We're going to move on to number two here. So they're without, everyone's without excuse. Here's the second reason. For although they, they knew God, down deep, they, they know, in fact, uh, the psalmist says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You're a fool to say there is no God. For although they knew God, they did not, what's that word there? Honor him as God. That's reason number two. Not only they suppressed the truth, number two is that they didn't honor him. They didn't worship him. They didn't put him in his rightful place. So they suppressed the truth. Don't give God honor, and then right away we get number three, or give thanks to him. We should be able to look at creation and say, thank you, God. Thank you. This is, this is, this is a blessing to be able to live on your created earth. But they became futile. Didn't think right in their thinking. And their foolish hearts were darkened. It just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Now this all says in the past tense, but I do believe that biblically we can say it's still ongoing. We'll unpack that in a minute here. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And then they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for just images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. The almighty creator, the glory. They're like, eh, I'm not gonna worship an image of a bird. How futile is that? 
How messed up is that? It's, it's messed up. They, they went from being uh, wise, claiming to be wise, they, they became fools. This is reason number four, is that they worship the creation instead of the creator. Suppress the truth. They don't honor God. They don't worship him. They, they don't have gratitude for what he's given to them. And then they start worshiping creation, then creator. God says, okay, I have to bring my wrath upon you. There needs to be justice put on you for your rebellion. Notice how all of this is like, wait, the world doesn't believe anything I just said to you. This completely opposite. Well, it's because this is a result of it. That's idolatry. All of that is okay, we're going to worship something else rather than the one true God. In fact, the world um, not only doesn't believe it, but the world is trying to get us to do the same. Think about this. If you and I start to take God casually, just the big man upstairs, just kind of like, oh, God is just all love. He would never do that. And we begin to distort the truth about God. We, we, as even believers, begin to suppress the truth about who God is. And if you don't have a big God, why worship him? And, and if you're not worshiping him, then we are gonna struggle with gratitude because of all that he's done for us. And then the things of the world just become more and more important. So our idols typically aren't made out of metal or wood. They're mental idols. And and the ways that we, there's so many things that we worship today and we honor and we give thanks for that have nothing to do with God. We're gonna come back to this here in the end, but I just want you to see those are, this is why God's wrath has been revealed against the ungodliness, the unrighteousness of all mankind. But now I want you to see, what, well, what is God's response to, how, how does God's wrath, how is it revealed? And we're gonna see a phrase that God gave them up in three different times. There's three different paragraphs here. And God gave them up, and it's, it's pretty intense. Let's walk through it together. So there's three ways that God gave them up. Number one, He gave them up in the lust. That just simply means really strong desire. The word lust in the Greek there, that isn't always a negative thing. Here it is. In the desires of their hearts, he gave them up to impurity, which resulted, it says, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. God's saying, okay, you you suppress the truth about me. You don't honor me. You don't give gratitude and you start worshiping creation, have it your way. You know, as parents at times, you're just like, you just gotta let your kids suffer the consequences of them. So my daughter, Sophie, is really struggling keeping her room clean right now. It's just it, probably typical of a lot of kids. But we, you know, we said, you can't go to Cedar Point with your friend until your room is really clean. So last night, she's sitting at the dinner table, crying, saying, I can't clean. <laughs> and we said, the re- then you can't go to Cedar Point. It's, it's, there's a consequence. Like, if you can't clean, these are the consequences. We just like, 
Well, so be it. That's what God's doing here. He says, you, you want to reject me? Then I'm just going to let you have it your way. But watch what it does here. God gave them up to the desires of their heart, what they wanted, and it resulted in what? Impurity. And then the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, what that means is they begin to use their body in unhonorable ways, in ways that God didn't want them to. And it just continued to increase because he says, because they exchanged the truth about God, remember that's the truth they suppressed, and they began to serve the creature. I mean, it's not only, I mean, you worship, they're serving the creature rather than the creator. But in this particular case, who's the creature? Themselves. They say, it's all about me. Now I'm gonna suppress the truth about God and I'm gonna make it all about me. And so those passions, we're gonna see in a minute that word passions, but it says the lust of their hearts, it's all about them, all about them, all about them. They served themselves. I like how Paul just says in here, they serve the creature rather than the creator who's blessed forever, amen. Like he's gotta get that in there. God gave them over. Now you and I could read that and like, okay, I get that. Like that, I, I, I get that. But Paul says, hey, let me time out, Let, let's go a little deeper. Let's go a little more intense here. Because not only God give them over to impurity, the next verse 26 says, for this reason, God gave them up to what? Dishonorable passions. Passions or, or interests. He says, for their women exchanged natural relations, male-female relations, for those that are contrary to nature. God created men, God created women, that's what's natural, be fruitful, multiply, go fill the earth. In the same way, men likewise gave up natural relations with women and they were consumed with passion, that's why he talks here in dishonorable passions, consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. So he's saying, because, I'm just gonna keep giving you the, the, the line of argument here, is because they suppress the truth about who God is, that results in God saying, okay, I'm just gonna give you over to impurity, but also to dishonorable passions, to homosexuality. That, it just kept going further and further, and it made it up, mankind's made it about their own passions, their own lust. Those first, you know, those, uh, uh, 24 and um, yeah, 24 and 25 were all about idolatry. Here, you know, that's a sin, but here homosexuality is a sin. Is homosexuality a sin? It is. But you notice in this whole section, only two verses are about homosexuality. Now, I grew up um, in an in a environment, kind of a fundamentalist environment, and somehow it was communicated that two things would send you to hell. Committing suicide and being gay. That was, that was what we were taught. It was made such a big deal. And, and sadly, in many of our churches, we have been very mean to people who have struggled with same-sex attraction. 
We've been very unkind, not understanding at all, because we thought, oh, that's unnatural, that's vile, that dishonors God, you guys are bad people. It became an us versus them. And, and, and I find that interesting because as you read through this passage, we're going to go from verses 24 and 26 that talk about everybody's impurity and dishonorable things they do with their bodies, because I guarantee each and every one of you have done dishonorable things with your bodies. And then we're going to transition here in a moment to verses 28 through 32 that frankly talk about all of us in a lot of different ways. So this is why we come back to that idea of speaking the truth in love. I don't think we ever back down and say that homosexuality, the act of, of the, these unnatural acts, are sin. They, they are sin. Just like so many other sins are sins that are a result of not putting God in his place. It's a result of suppressing the truth and not worshiping God, not giving him gratitude, and then instead we worship creation, we worship our own body, we worship our own desires. Evil, Satan gets in there, and we even do unnatural things, and now it's gone even further to the whole transgender movement as a result of this. And, and frankly, if our culture keeps going this way, and I'm just, I'm, I guess we have kids in the room, like should be in kids' church anyway, but um, it's gonna lead to um, sex with kids. It's gonna lead to bestiality. It, it, there's already, if you, don't go search it, but there, there's groups out there arguing for legal consent sex with kids, okay? In, in other, it, my point is, it, it's just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. But God is calling his people, we're going to get to this in a minute, to the gospel, to the good news, to where there is power for salvation, and he's going to call us to holiness, live in the spirit. That's what the rest of Romans is going to unpack. But he has to start with the bad news here, with, with the wrath of God. And we'll finish. I want to go, let's, look, let's go ahead and jump to verse 28 and finish with this. Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, it's like they didn't put God in his place, God gave them up, this is the third one, so he gave them up to impurity, he gave them up to dishonorable passions, here he gives them up to a debased mind. It means they can't think straight. And, and frankly, that's all of us, a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. God did not design it this way. This is a broken, this is the result of the fall. They were filled with, what's this say? All manner, like all kinds of unrighteousness. All kinds of evil. Then he says covetousness. Now, some of you are like, okay, go get them, Pastor. But how many of you, you drove in today and, you know, you saw Carl's Bronco and you're like, man, I, I want that Bronco. I mean, that, that's a lot better than my Saturn. I mean, that, that's, that's covetousness, folks. Or you ladies that came in, it's like, boy, I really like her dress. I wish I had that. I mean, there's all kinds of covetous. He's going to, in fact, in a minute, he's going to use the word envy. He says, and malice. Malice is where we just don't like each other. They are full of, watch this. I just, I, here I'm picturing Paul. He's, he's writing, to, he's using Tertius as his secretary. 
And I could just picture Paul just starting to rattle off anything he can think of that's sin because he goes, those people, they're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. Okay, think about this. All of us struggle with envy. We all do. It's called Facebook, okay, or or social media. Envy, we all struggle with strife, okay? We, we, We like to fight. Okay, especially, well, if you're Baptist and a Republican, you really like to fight, okay? But deceit, we all struggle lying. Okay? We, we all, that's called Facebook as well, or that's called social media. Maliciousness, we're just mean. But, but what he puts right there in the middle, murder in the same line. Because you and I, it's easy to think of, oh, those murderers. Well, well we're in the same boat, Envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, and some of you, gossips, slanders, haters of God. Boy, he's just all over the place. Insolent, what's that? Haughty, proud, boastful. Inventors of evil, that is our culture today. I, I just, just, it's creative evil. We can't leave this one out. Can I get an amen for disobedient to parents? Yeah. Yeah. If any of you need to buy a cell phone, see Kyle Drake, okay? We'll just leave that one alone. Speaking of being disobedient to parents, okay? Uh, Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. And I, I, I went to a small little Christian school And I thought at times we were mean to each other. The bullying that takes place in all over our society is just, it just amazes me how ruthless people can be, how heartless they can be. Though, last verse, they knew, though they know, though we know, God's righteous decree that those who practice such things, what are the such things? It's everything we just listed. It's not just homosexuality. A lot of times they say, those people, those wicked, vile people. No, it's us wicked, vile people. Those who practice such things deserve to what? Okay. We deserve God's wrath. We deserve to go to hell forever apart from God. I'm trying to speak the truth to you. I hope you hear a little love. We'll get to we'll close with that. Does deserve to die. They not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. They want other people to be involved in it as well. The power of God, the righteousness of God, and the wrath of God. Now, we're going to unpack in the book that, that through Romans. Paul's like, I've got good news for you. I'm not ashamed of it. Salvation is available. The future of walking with him is available. But we just kind of have to start with time out here. God can be a ticked-off God. God is a ticked-off God against evil and that's why he says, I, but, but I love you so much, I want to invite you to salvation through Jesus Christ. 
But here's the takeaway today. Here's what I'll, here's, I'll let the Spirit lead however, you want, however, however He wants. But, but I, I felt led to, to share this with you uh, this morning. How do we respond to this? So you might have heard the name um, A.W. Tozier. Uh, I found out this morning that uh, A.W. Any, any, anyone know what A.W. stands for? I know Aiden Wilson. So that's, uh, there you go. There'll be some trivia for you. Uh, he was a big part of the uh, Christian Missionary Alliance Church, and he wrote a number of books. He was very prolific back in the 60s and 70s. And uh, he wrote a book called The Knowledge of the Holy. Encourage you to read it. And this is, the, this is the opening. I'm going to read to you a page and a half, so it's a little lengthy. But I want you to hear this. The message of this book does not grow out of these times I'm sorry, does not grow out of these times, but it is appropriate to them. So what he's going to share doesn't come from right now, but it is appropriate to them. It is called forth by a condition which has existed in the church for some years and is steadily growing worse. I refer to the loss of the concept of majesty from the popular religious mind. So we we no longer think about the majesty. The church has surrendered her once lofty concept of God and has substituted it, substituted for it, one so low, so ignoble as to be utterly unworthy of thinking, worshiping men. He's saying we, we had God on this pedestal majestic. Now he's just down here as our, our big buddy. Oh, that t-shirt, Jesus is my homie. This she, the church, has done not deliberately, but little by little and without her knowledge. And her very unawareness only makes her situation all the more tragic. It's like the frog in the kettle in the water and it's just starting to boil and boil, and you don't even realize it, and leads to death. The low view of God, entertained almost universally among Christians, is the cause of a hundred lesser evils everywhere among us. You, you stop thinking about God so highly, and it just leads to this sin, and this sin, and this sin. A whole new philosophy of the Christian life has resulted from this one basic error in our religious thinking. With our loss of the sense of majesty has come the further loss of religious awe and consciousness of the divine presence. You lose majesty, you lose awe, and you lose this this understanding, this consciousness of the divine presence. We've lost our spirit of worship and our ability to withdraw inwardly to meet God in adoring silence where we're just quiet, meditating on who God is. Modern Christianity is simply not producing the kind of Christian who can appreciate or experience the life in the spirit. The words, be still and know that I am God, mean next to nothing to the self-confident, bustling worshiper in this middle period of the 20th century. He wrote this in 1961. What would he say today? I struggle to go anywhere without my AirPods. 
drives my family nuts. It's got great sound, um, what do you call that? Cancellation thing. There's a, a trend on TikTok right now called silent walking or something. Have you seen this? Where they're making a dare to go for a walk for 30 minutes without your phone. And it's freaking people out. I can't imagine what would, what would Tozer say today. Now, this is interesting. He said, this loss of the concept of majesty has come just when the forces of religion are making dramatic gains and the churches are more prosperous than at any time within the past several hundred years. Now, he's writing this after World War II and the church blew up. I mean, everybody's going to church. That's just a big deal. And he's saying at that same time, we're losing our understanding of who God is. But the alarming thing is that our gains are mostly external and our losses wholly internal. You can have a vibrant church, you can have a vibrant religious experience and it have nothing to do with God. Since it is a quality of our religion that is affected by internal conditions, it may be that our supposed gains are but losses spread over a wider field. Now here with this last paragraph. The only way to recoup our spiritual losses is to go back to the cause of them and make such corrections as the truth warrants. The decline of the knowledge of the holy has brought on our troubles. A rediscovery of the majesty of God will go a long way toward curing them. It is impossible to keep our moral practices around and our inward attitudes right while our idea of God is, is erroneous or inadequate. If we would bring back spiritual power to our lives, we must begin to think of God as more nearly as he is. Go pick up the book and read it, but the challenge for all of us is how do you view God? How, it, is he up here? And I, I just fully confess, it is so easy to just like, God comes down, lower and lower, and these things come up more and more. And I, I, I find I, I'm more in awe of, of what things that I do or accomplishments or, or this or that in the creation order rather than the one who made all of that possible. And so this passage draws our attention to the power of God for salvation it draws our attention to the righteousness of God, his holiness that is from faith, for faith, but then it also makes us think about his wrath. And they all go together, and we're gonna unpack his invitation to know him and experience him over the weeks ahead in the book of Romans. So what I'd like to do is we're gonna close out today I'm just going to give you an opportunity to, to respond in prayer. To just bow your heads and write where you're at. And um, I just want you to take a moment 
and, and let this passage, let the Holy Spirit just impact. What, what is your takeaway today with that? And then we're just gonna, we're gonna actually close out again singing just a cappella this morning, that song, Holy, Holy, Holy. But, but take just a few moments. Just pray right where you're at. And, um, and then I'll lead us in one more prayer. But, but just respond between you and the Lord and pray.